Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, June 19th, 2018, and I'm your host, Arielle Taylor, with my co-hosts, Lavendar and Anastasia. Our next Starseed Quest to Arkansas is August 17th through the 20th for the Harmonic Convergence Anniversary. This is a soul family reunion, and you'll need at least one galactic marking, which is 25, 26, or 27 degrees of any sign on your natal chart to be eligible. And if you want more info, just uh, drop a line to crystals at starseedhotline.com. Our special guest this evening is Julie Santiago, who is the best-selling author of Awaken, Six Sacred Steps to Remember Who You Are and Why You're Here. She graduated from Johns Hopkins University and is a former Wall Street trader turned spiritual catalyst, coach, inspirational speaker, and writer. Drawing from her personal experience in years of deep soul initiation, Julie guides women who are longing for more in their lives to break through the fear and find more meaning, live a purposeful life, and awaken to their personal truth. Julie's clients call her their secret weapon and say that working with her is a life-changing journey. Originally from Louisiana, she now lives in California with her husband. And you can find more info about Julie's work on her website, juliesantiago.com. And that's Julie, J-U-L-I-E, and Santiago is S-A-N-T-I-A-G-O.com. At the top of the show, it's Anastasia's Starseed News, bringing topics of interest to starseeds that you won't hear in the mainstream. And we'd like to thank Jada and Kathy for hosting the switchboard tonight for those who may have a question or comment for Julie. We have an online Starseed community at starseedhotline.ning.com, and it's a safe place to connect with other Starseeds thanks to Tammy's dedication. And you can download our shows on iTunes or right here on Blog Talk. And if you'd like to show your support of our program, please click follow on our page here and you'll get our weekly show notices. The toll-free number for StarseedHotline.com is 888-881-0881. The Stage 1 Starseed confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings and your natal astrological chart, and the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one phone session available with Lavendar, Anastasia, or myself. For those who need healing of any kind, emotional, physical, or spiritual, for yourself or your pets, Tammy's powerful remote sessions will make a difference for you. And if you have a birthday coming up, you don't want to miss out on your 10 hours of power, do you? You can find out when that happens by requesting your solar return timing. And please remember, if you want an interpretation of that chart, you'll need to order it about three months ahead of time to make sure you get it in before your 10 hours because we do have a waiting list. So first this evening, I would like to introduce Anastasia with her fascinating Starseed News. Well, good evening, Ariel. Hi, everybody. Mm -hmm. Great to be with you. Wow. Well, Hawaiian residents have been warned about Pele's hair. It's a dangerous phenomenon around the Kilauea volcano. The USGS is warning residents in all of Hawaii about Pele's hair. It's a ribbon-like glass being produced by the Kilauea volcano. 
pictures of it on the internet look just like pickup sticks on the ground, only very fine, very fine strands of hair. It looks like human hair, and it's been floating around in the air across the entire island. Now, that's not all that's falling from the Hawaii skies. Green, uh, um, olive green gemstones are falling from the sky as the erupting Kilauea event is now sending gemstones up to 12,000 feet with the ash and residents are reporting that when it comes down, they can find a bowl full of gemstones after looking through the ash for 30 minutes. Now, the Hawaii County Civil Defense estimates that at least 533 homes have been destroyed in these ongoing eruptions, and lava has overrun roughly nine and a quarter square miles. On the map, it really is impressive. A big chunk of that edge of Hawaii is now covered in lava. Now, yesterday, the USGS said another fissure, number six, has reactivated, creating smaller spatter feeding and short lava flows. Air quality also remains an issue as hazardous gases and ash are clogging the air. Now, large earthquakes and steam explosions at the summit of Kilauea have also been occurring on an almost daily basis in the past few days. Yesterday, a 5.3 magnitude earthquake shook the summit, but it wasn't powerful enough to generate a tsunami, according to the Tsunami Warning Center. And Monday marked the seventh day in a row that there was an earthquake above magnitude 5.0 at the summit. None of them was strong enough to trigger a tsunami. All of them, they say, were triggered by an explosive eruption at the summit of a volcano. Experts expect heavier fog to blanket the interior and southern parts of the Big Island as these eruptions continue. The Department of Health is recommending that residents with breathing issues should limit all outside activities and stay indoors. And residents in Japan are cleaning up debris as of last night after a powerful earthquake hit the area around Osaka, the country's second largest city. It killed four people and injured hundreds while knocking over walls and setting off fires. This was a magnitude 6.1 earthquake that rattled Japan early yesterday morning. And uh, more than 1,000 schools were closed. Um, There were wall cracks, uh, damages to buildings, Um, The quake was a depth of eight miles. They say that it could be felt in Kyoto. Automakers Diatsu Motor Company and Honda and electronic makers Panasonic and Sharp Corporation had to stop production lines in their factories for safety checks uh, as a precaution against the quake. It broke windows. It set off scattered building fires, toppled furniture and homes, spilled stuff all over the floors, cracked roads, broke water pipes, leaving many people without water. There was also um, an an absence of electricity and natural gas because the underground gas lines were affected. They say that 110,000 homes uh, were without natural gas. So that was quite an upset. And in the upper Midwest, in Wisconsin, wow, the videos, the pictures on the Internet are startling. There was a disaster declared in Michigan as heavy rain caused flash flooding in the upper Midwest and the upper part of Wisconsin. At least 60 sinkholes have been reported in Michigan where this disaster has been declared. It washed out roads on Sunday. Roads are collapsed. Bridges collapsed. A flash flood emergency was declared on Sunday when uh, residents were urged to stay at home to shelter in place. 
the area received four to seven inches of rain in seven hours. So, uh, wow, the footage wow. is just, the, the roads look like they've been blown up, with, uh, revealing the pipes, uh, the underground water pipes, gas pipes, and everything that are down under the roads are all exposed. It's a mess, just a mess. And, uh, wow, let's talk about weather for a second. Um, NOAA has issued an El Nino watch. They say that there's chances of El Nino conditions developing that will increase during this fall and winter. They say that this could impact the Atlantic hurricane season and weather in the United States this winter. Now, during an El Nino winter, they say that temperatures are typically cooler than average from the southern plains into the southwest and warmer than average from eastern Alaska into western and central Canada and into the Pacific Northwest, northern plains, and Midwest. They say that the strength of the El Nino plays an important role in impacts across the United States, including the tropical Atlantic. Another El Nino you're on the way, very possibly. In Pennsylvania, they had a tornado. It was a confirmed EF2 tornado with maximum wind speeds of 130 miles per hour that tore through parts of Pennsylvania late last Wednesday night, overturning cars, damaging businesses, and knocking down trees and power lines. The reports are that at least six people were injured by this twister. And... Upcoming, a tropical disturbance is going to soak Texas with drought-easing rains, but now they're worried about flooding. They say that periods of heavy rainfall are continuing to soak coastal Texas through midweek, and while that will ease the ongoing drought, they're worried about flooding. The rainfall is fueled by an upper-level low-pressure system that will linger over eastern Texas into the middle of this week. They say it will interact with widespread tropical moisture, leading to the development of numerous showers and thunderstorms. And in the Congo, there's been an Ebola outbreak that has an interesting mm, side effect for the locals. People along the Congo River that have earned a living buying and selling monkeys, bats, and other animals that are popularly known as bushmeat uh, are stymied on how to make a living with this new outbreak of the Ebola virus. The jungle hunters are saying that they won't be able to support their families because of possibility of infected meat. Congo's latest Ebola outbreak uh, happened May, uh, in May, there are 38 confirmed cases. Now, this, this, the discovery of this handful, what they're calling a handful, 38, of Ebola cases among this region's more than 1 million residents is already hurting the economy, uh, especially among traders of meat from wild animals. Now, the virus has been known to jump from animals, such as monkeys and bats, to humans. In the West Africa outbreak four years ago that killed more than 11,000 people, it was widely suspected that the epidemic began when a person was infected by a bat. In this region of the world, wild animals are highly sought after as popular sources of protein, along with beef and pork. The World Health Organization has advised against trade with that region of the world and advises travel restrictions because of the current outbreak which at the moment is mostly in remote areas. Well, speaking of meat, 
I would like to ask all of you listeners, what would you call lab-grown meat that you eat? Lab-grown meat that you eat. Well, if meat is grown in a lab without slaughtering any animals, what would it be called? And that's a question that has yet to be decided by government regulators. You'll find out why in a minute. (laughs) And right now it is pitting animal rights advocates and others against cattle ranchers in a veritable war of words. Now, supporters of this freaky lab science are embracing the words clean meat to describe meat grown by replicating animal cells in a laboratory. That's right. Coming to a grocery store near you. Now, many in the conventional meat industry are irritated by the term and want to stamp it out before it takes hold, saying that lab-grown meat, uh, calling lab-grown meat clean, implies that natural, nature-made meat is dirty. Now, the ongoing (laughs) statement between the fake meat producers and the cattle industry illustrates how language is being used to reshape eating habits and why the $49 billion U.S. beef, poultry, pork, and lamb industry is mobilizing all of its power to claim ownership over the term meat. Companies such as Memphis Meats are growing meat by culturing animal cells, though it could be years, they say, before the products are on shelves. Don't bet on it. It could come tomorrow. Anyway, corporate meat farms like Tyson Foods have invested in this project. thought you might like to know that. Well, the FDA plans to hold a public meeting to discuss to discuss cultured meat next month. Now, the Good Food Institute, which is an advocacy and lobbying group for meat alternatives, is embracing the phrase clean meat, which channels the positive connotations of clean energy. Other options that it's testing on consumer groups, meat 2.0 and safe meat and pure meat. (laughs) Green meat was dismissed early. According to the co-founder of the Good Food Institute, he said, nobody wants to eat green meat. Well, the National Cattlemen's Beef Association wants to protect beef verbiage and more power to them. The groups want to use accurate and truthful, although notably less appealing names, such as in vitro meat, synthetic meat, or even meat byproduct for meat grown through cultured cells. Well, here's my two cents. Let's just call it what it really is, fake meat. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, here's an article telling us that that a specific, well, actually not a specific, a group of Pacific Northwest pollinators are, oh, whoa, again, in trouble. Hundreds of citizen scientists have searched the Pacific Northwest for more insight into about 30 bumblebee species. As you may have guessed, bumblebees are in trouble. Now, important pollinators, some bumblebee species, have now disappeared from places where they were once very common. They say possibly because of the same factors that have been killing honeybees. And researchers are hoping to gather data so they can recommend ways to protect bumblebees and their habitat. Now, bumblebees, unlike honeybees, don't overwinter in a hive. Bumblebees build nests, typically in holes in the ground, and generally only number a few hundred individuals by the time fall arrives. And any honey that they produce, they have to eat to survive. 
Now, honeybees are imports from Europe, brought in as agricultural workers to pollinate crops. But honeybee, uh, excuse me, but bumblebees are native. And when it comes to native North American plants and some crops, the more robust bumblebee with its ability to buzz pollinate by grabbing onto an entire flower and shaking the pollen loose for some plant species is the only insect that can do the pollinating job. And the western bumblebee, once considered very common and very widespread, has disappeared from much of its former range. Clues as to why western bumblebee populations have plummeted are being frantically searched for in the current study. From honeybees to bumblebees. Wow. Mm-mm-mm. Well, remember I talked a few weeks back about this study that says that coffee's a cancer risk? Maybe some of you remember that. Well, now, maybe some money changed hands, who knows, but now California moves to clear coffee of cancer risk stigma. California officials, having concluded coffee drinking is not dangerous, are proposing a regulation that will essentially tell consumers that America's favorite uh, beverage they can have without being afraid of it. It's okay to drink coffee, and they want all of us to know about it after it was advertised that it isn't. Well, Friday the, in California, the Office of Environmental Health Hazard proposed a regulation to clear coffee of the stigma recently created that it could pose a toxic risk following a review of more than 1,000 studies published this week by the World Health Organization that found inadequate evidence that coffee causes cancer. This particular California agency implements the law that was passed by voters way back in 1986 that requires warnings of chemicals known to cause cancer and birth defects. And I will note, editorial note, that often if you purchase something from California that you can buy easily in any other state, something as innocent as a shower curtain or goodness knows what, a set of eating utensils, uh, you might see the warning on the side that this product is known to contain products that uh, can cause cancer. I mean, they really label their stuff in California. Well, anyway, uh, that's my aside. But one of those chemicals uh, that they are warning against is acrylamide, now, which they say is found in many things. And it happens to be a byproduct of coffee roasting present in every cup of coffee. Well, they say if the regulation is adopted, it would be a huge win for the coffee industry that is now facing massive civil penalties after recently losing an eight-year-old lawsuit in Los Angeles Superior Court that could require scary warnings on all coffee packaging sold in California. So this proposed regulation will state that coffee drinking does not pose a significant cancer risk despite the presence of chemicals created during the roasting and brewing process that are listed under California's Proposition 65 as known carcinogens, according to the agency. They go on to say, quote, the proposed regulation is based on extensive scientific evidence that drinking coffee has not been shown to increase cancer risk and may reduce the risk of some types of cancer. So I'm glad they got that straight. Well, uh, The United States is poised to announce exit from the UN Human Rights Council. And I thought that was particularly appropriate, given what is going on at the border 
with these children being detained and separated from their parents and held in cages. So I find this today. Yes, the United States is preparing to exit from the United Nations Human Rights Council. How appropriate. The Trump administration is set to announce today, I don't know if they did or not, but they are set to announce their departure from the United Nations' main human rights body in our latest withdrawal from an international institution. Critical reaction to this anticipated move from the human rights advocates is swift. (laughs) The United States' current term on the Human Rights Council was set to end next year when it could revert to the observer status held by other countries that are not members, that do not belong to this council. In that case, the United States would be able to speak out on rights abuses, but not to vote. Now, there is a deeper layer to this story that is related to Israel and its treatment of Palestinians, but we're not going to go into that this evening. Continuing with this article, um, Contrary to the Trump administration's actions, you need to know that the State Department's website has a pre-Trump administration declaration that tells readers that the protection of fundamental human rights was a foundation stone for the United States creation over 200 years ago, and that promoting respect for human rights has been a central goal of U.S. foreign policy. And my now, how the times they are a change in. <clears throat> in our science section, CERN is beginning a major upgrade. From Geneva, the world's largest particle smasher is kicking off a major upgrade to churn out ten times more data and help unlock the secrets of physics. The European Organization for Nuclear Research, or CERN, started work last Friday on a project to boost the number of infinitesimal collisions, which they are calling luminosity, in its Large Hadron Collider by installing very high-tech magnets. The upgrade is expected to start in 2026, and CERN says the budget for the high-luminosity collider is about $950 million. Well, we've talked about uh, NASA's probes to Mars quite a bit on this program. Um, There's more news today. Um, Out of Cape Canaveral, NASA's seemingly unstoppable Mars rover opportunity, you remember we talked about that, well, it's been knocked out by a gigantic dust storm that is enveloping the red planet and blotting out the sun. Unexpected. Officials said Wednesday they're hopeful the rover will survive this storm, which already covers one quarter of Mars and is expected to encircle the planet in another few days, provided circumstances allow. They say it could be weeks or even months, though, until the sky clears enough for sunlight to reach the Martian surface and recharge the rover's batteries through its solar panels. doesn't look like it's going to encircle the planet in another few days, based on that. Now, NASA launched the twin rovers Opportunity and Spirit, There's two of them. There's actually another one, but these two, Opportunity, one is named that. The other one's named Spirit. And these were launched in uh, 2003 to study Martian rocks and soil. They managed to land in 2004, but the rover that's called Spirit hasn't worked for several years. And now, as we've already discussed, Opportunity is having a bit of a problem. 
So that's it for tonight's news, but I want to leave you with a quote from George Orwell. Quote, power is in tearing human minds to pieces and putting them together again in new shapes of your own choosing. A society becomes totalitarian when its structure becomes flagrantly artificial, that is, when its ruling class has lost its function but succeeds in clinging to power by force or fraud. Whoa. There we have it. And from my heart to yours, to each and every one of you, you beautiful people out there, those that I've loved for years, that send me emails and that support the program and that are beautiful star seeds, I love you. <laughs> Carry love through you with you throughout the coming weeks and hold fast to the light and shine on, beautiful people. Much peace to you and much guidance. And thank you, Ariel. Appreciate being here. Well, thank you so much, Anastasia. You do such a great job, and uh, I get a lot of a lot of positive um, feedback. And people love to have you know make a contribution. So if you find something that's uh, newsworthy, then uh, just send it in. Oh yes. So we'll we'll talk to you next week, Anastasia. Thanks so much for you the Starseed News. Okay. Take care. Okay. Bye bye. Alrighty, so uh, now I'm going to get your mic open, Julie, and I get get Lavendar's mic open. Okay, well, Julie, welcome to the show. It's wonderful to have you. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you, Ariel. No, it's our pleasure. <clears throat> Lavendar, you you there? Here, I'm ready. Okay, all right, take it away. Well, Julie, I love this book that you've written called Awaken. Mm-hmm. In fact. Before we start, I would like to read the first page that you wrote called A Letter to You. Is that okay for me to read it? Of course. Okay, thank you. It says, don't compromise yourself. You are all you've got. Janice Joplin. To the women who have been strong their whole lives, to the perfectionists, people pleasers, good girls, and rule breakers, to the highly successful, motivated, overachievers, to the women who have always felt a little different, to the ones who never really fit in, to the caretakers, the empaths, and the big-hearted, sensitive souls, to the women who have it all together but still longing for more, to those who have done exactly what they're supposed to do but still feel empty inside, to the seekers and whisperers and the ones who want to change the world. You can stop searching now. You've arrived. You don't have to pretend anymore, and you don't have to keep living someone else's version of your life. Things are about to change. Inside this book, you'll find a proven path to empower, enliven, guide, motivate, and inspire you, so you never have to search outside of yourself for answers again. The words inside this book are meant to help you remember who you are and why you're here. It is my intention that when you finish this book, You understand yourself more deeply than you've ever done before. It is my hope that you feel a new sense of confidence and joy in everything you do. It is my wish that you begin to walk through the world with a twinkle in your eye as you fearlessly shine your beautiful light. This book is about coming home. Home to your heart. Home to your truth. Home to you. So, I love this book, Julie. (laughs) Thank you, Lavendar. 
Yeah, I just love it. It has it, it it's written so beautifully and the words really get right into your brain right away. <laughs> I, I love a book that does that. Mm-hmm. Pictures. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about yourself before you start talking about your book. Yeah, absolutely. So I was I was born and raised in in Louisiana. Um, both of my parents are Lebanese, so I come from um, you know the lineage in the Middle East. And um, I was born in the South in a pretty small town, and like I said in that kind of intro, always felt different. Of course, as you know, as most of the listeners here probably know. I, I, I didn't know that I was a starseed, just like many of the people who pick up this book may or may not know that they're starseeds. So I felt really different. And I also was highly empathic and, and psychic and clairsentient and had no idea what any of those things meant. I just knew that there was always this barrage of oh, feeling and information that was coming at me at all times. And I didn't know how to handle it or process it. And so I shut it down um, at quite an early age and um, did all of the things that I thought I needed to do to fit into this world and, um, and had little mini awakenings, I would say, you know, in my late teens and then early 20s. And the one that really kind of blew me open was in late 2011, right before, of course, the the portal opened in 2012. Um, So, yeah, that's my path, Louisiana, Southern, Catholic, Lebanese. Those were like the upbringing roots. And then I went to college on the East Coast, and then I found myself in this really intense corporate Wall Street job, right? I, I couldn't have chosen a path that had been that was more um, kind of infiltrating the system, and um, and then and then and really uh, tried to fit in as much as I could. Which you know, for for me, that meant you know really kind of battling my own inner demons with depression and anxiety and alcohol and food addiction and so many different things that you know I was really struggling to find my way until I finally really realized that um, there was so much more to who I was than the human being I was being. And, um, and then the world of, you know, spirituality and beyond this third dimension opened up for me. And I was able to walk through that, that doorway and, and remember. And of course, then everything changed. What year was that, Julie, when, when you really, was it 2012? I mean, you said 2011, but what happened in 2012 for you that made you jump really big? 2012 was the year that I actually left Wall Street. Okay. Uh, it's, it's also the year that I decided to eliminate alcohol from my life. I stopped drinking alcohol, so I stopped numbing. And, you know, I had one of the most profound experiences with, with spirits. And, you know, I really realized that I was that I was seeing and feeling and sensing beings um, around around me. Um, And so, yeah, all of that happened in 2012 and then leading into 2013. But 2012, my body broke down is ultimately what happened, which led me to quit my job and to finally be willing to let go of this kind of controlled path that I'd been holding on to. I couldn't ignore my body any longer. It just broke down, essentially. So um, 
where do you live now? Do you live in California? I am in California. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, wh- what year did you move to California? Was it right after you left Wall Street? No, I was actually working on Wall Street out here in California. They have, There's a West Coast kind of arm of it. So I moved to California in 2007. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, you talk a lot about remembering who you are in this book. Tell us about why you chose to use the words remember rather than something like discover. Mm-hmm. I don't think this process is... I don't think this spiritual journey is about discovering anything or finding anything um, because it's not lost. Um, We're not lost. We've simply forgotten. And we come into this world in, in my, in my experience of it intentionally to forget many of us forget so that we can have the experience of remembering. It's not about figuring it out or discovering who we are. And when I say, kind of awakening to who we are, I mean ourselves, understanding ourselves as spiritual beings, right? Beyond this kind of third dimensional gross physical reality, understanding ourselves at a higher dimension as spiritual beings. That isn't something that you figure out. It's not a, you know, three-step process or follow this road. It is a remembering and a peeling back of layers to reveal the essence of who we are and have always been, but most of us have simply just been conditioned or have forgotten. And I realize that's not true for everyone. Some people have the gift of growing up maybe in communities or with families who encourage it. I just didn't. And many of the women that I tend to work with didn't either. They were star seeds born into, um, you know, kind of the muggle world. And so remembering what that means and how to be is, is truly a homecoming um, but it's nothing that is re- is nothing that is discovered or, or taught. It's remembered. It's an, it's awakened, and it's just there. It's like it's been waiting there all along. What are some of the practices and ways that you have to use to remember who you are as a spiritual being? Mm. I mean, I'll say, I'll share that I think part of my um, part of my path was, uh, of course, understanding ast- astrology in some capacity. Um, Kundalini yoga, yoga has been a profound part of my own path, learning to be still, being out in nature and slowing down and and being quiet, Um, music and getting into my body, whether that's outside in nature or simply dancing or rolling around in the grass, Um, anything that can put me either in my body on this earth or kind of in, in, in my mind above. It's something about the union of those two places helps me remember that I am a spiritual being on earth and I don't get to bypass either of those things. I'm both of them. And so all of my practices tend to be embodied practices, but then also being able to root down and then really touch um, what's, what's, what's above. So... What I'm what I'm gathering from from what you're saying, and and of course we just had a session not too long ago. I can really see you taking a lot of people from spiritual 101 to galactic 404 with the way that you present your information in this book. I think you're getting people ready for higher learning. I really do. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that, Lavendar. Thank you. 
Yeah. Now, one of your stories in the book is about how you first became an achievement addict. What is an achievement addict? How does it develop? And how can you overcome it? That's a great question. Um, I, I really am loving looking at looking at all of this right now, especially the book through the lens of um, being a starseed. Um, so I'll just say it this way. I think that for many of us light beings, family of light, um, those of us who came uh, onto this earth to um, really be a part of the evolution of of the consciousness of this planet. Mm, I think many of us, if we were born into, I'm going to say families or communities um, or societies even um, that don't understand what those gifts are, there's that a fundamental um, belief that something is wrong with us. And I think this is the spirituality 101 piece, the human part of someone before they remember who they really are is there's a fear that, that there's something wrong with them. There's something wrong because we are different. We're all so different. And, um, and so as a way to compensate for that fear, that belief that we are the odd men and women out, we're the odd ducks, we're the you know, rainbow sheep, um, whatever it is. Um, there's, there's an overcompensation that I know begins to happen for a lot of, of women that I work with. And we become addicted to achievement. So why achievement? There's something about the feeling of achieving something, of being the best, of being an accomplish, accomplishing something that gives us that temporary illusion, that gives the ego that illusion of fitting in of belonging, of being good enough. It's a way that it's the, the ego is really protecting itself, saying, see, right, do I fit in now? Am I good enough now? Do you like me now? To compensate, overcompensate for that feeling that we're different. Um, and so that addiction to the achievement is simply a way to mask the underlying feeling that there's something wrong with us or that we're different and we're not going to fit in. And looking at it through the lens of being a starseed is, is just simply we, we haven't actually remembered our powers yet. We haven't remembered who we are and why we're here, that we are different, that we're supposed to be different, that oftentimes we were born into families um, to bring the light or communities to bring the light. But until we actually remember that that's our purpose for incarnation, we can do some really crazy stuff, um, to overcompensate and becoming addicted to achievement or um, accumulation of anything um, that's in the outer world is simply a sign that we haven't really remembered yet who we are and why we're here. We're not sure of our true nature yet. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I'd like to read again from your book on page 32, Mm. Turning Within. You have the power to answer your own questions, to heal your own pain. At some point, you forgot that. You stopped asking yourself and started asking everyone else, your parents, your friends, your lovers, your bosses, the media, magazines, the norm. You stopped writing. 
you stopped dialoguing with yourself. You turned away from your internal truth and stopped trusting your own thoughts, your own desires, your own visions, dreams, and fears. You stopped believing they were real or valid. You started thinking someone else had better answers, a smarter solution. You started believing the key to it was outside of you. You wanted someone to say it was all going to be okay, that you were going to be okay. You got lost and disconnected from the truth, from the universe, from that force bigger than you, from the source that connects us all. You forgot. And so you started looking for something, for anything outside of you to say, hey, it's going to be okay. You're not alone. You're safe. You just wanted to belong. So you first looked to parents and friends. Then you might have looked for it in a job, in outside success, in overachieving, in getting that pat on the back, anything to provide some sense of okay to feel not alone. Some turn to food and alcohol, anything to quiet the voice, to feel temporarily safe, to feel okay. That worked until it didn't work anymore. Then you knew there had to be a better way. There had to be more. There had to be a home waiting for you, a truth beyond the old stories and ways of living you, you'd taken for true. So you slowed down. You start to dance, to sing, to read, to write, to notice what it feels like to trust in something greater. You turn within. <clears throat> you remember who you are. You reignite the passion and joy before you got scared. You stop looking outside of you. You ask yourself the questions. You trust that you already have all the answers inside of you. You just have to ask. Mm -hmm. When I read these words now, it's like someone was talking through me as though I had downloaded the blueprint for my life I was getting ready to live. Of course, I didn't know it at the time, but I had outlined the journey I would soon walk, the one that would bring me here to share this path with you too. That mm -hmm. is so beautifully written. I just yeah. love that. In fact, mm -hmm. I'm going to retype that and put it up in my office. Oh, Lavendar, thank you. And it just brings tears to my eyes to hear you read it. Thank you. And yeah. it's so true. I mean, this is what we went through when we came to the planet. Mm -hmm. We didn't mm -hmm. have the blueprint. We didn't have the manual. And, and, of course, the reason we didn't have the manual is because coming here without the manual was the purpose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. <True. laughs> yes, yes, yes. It was. It was. So it do was. you have some and interesting stories to tell us about some of your clients? You don't have to mention their names, but some of the situations that you've helped people with when they come to you? Do you have any examples that you can Yeah, with? Yeah, yeah, indeed. And, you know, I mean, it's interesting. And I don't know if this is something that, I don't know if this is something you experience um, in, in, in y'all's work, but um, it's always pain always pain that brings that brings my clients to me I mean it's just that simple like you know what I've noticed is that the women are so strong and so resilient and it gets to a point where I think they have to have their backs against the wall with their hair on fire to finally <laughs> to finally admit they that it's something's not working, and maybe maybe there's another way, and maybe they can receive help. I think that's been my experience, and I'll just say this piece, and then I'll give you some examples of um, really finally getting getting humbled enough, being humbled enough to realize that I don't actually have all the like all the answers. 
it's a, it's a paradox because simultaneously, yes, I have the blueprint and I have all the answers, but yet my, my human self doesn't. So the answers can't be found um, with the same brain that got me into this mess in the first place in some way. There's a different way of kind of feeling and thinking. So a lot of women come to me when, you know, obviously they, they'll parallel my path of working in, let's say, maybe the corporate world and feeling absolutely lost and uninspired. Um, and many of them feel like they have to quit their jobs, like that's the only solution. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I have been so amazed to witness is that it's actually not always the solution. Walking away from the corporate world or walking away from maybe the marriage even, because that's also been something that some women will come to me for when they're at such a profound crossroads. And it feels like the only way to move forward is to kind of burn everything down and start over. And I would love to know if you have any thoughts on this too, because, um, you know, I think there's a program in many of us that we have to do it alone and that um, if we really step into who we are, that we'll lose everything. And so there's almost this knee-jerk response of like, well, if I'm going to lose everything anyway, right, um, I'm just going to burn it all down and, um, or I'm just going to leave it all behind. And so what often happens when I think these, when these beings kind of awaken to who they are underneath and stop operating kind of in the three-dimensional old patriarchal paradigm is they realize there are dozens of options that they haven't been able to see. So, so one woman in particular came to me and she was absolutely convinced her path was to quit her job and to do something that she felt like, you know, she was helping people, um, you know, doing more one-on-one -on -one work. And by the end of our sessions together, what she realized is that she didn't need to leave the job. She just needed to change her relationship with the job. And she needed to find a way to bring her light into the system. And so rather than leaving, she brought in yoga and meditation twice a week. She would lead her coworkers doing yoga and meditation. And so I honestly believe that us as the kind of family of light, of holding fast to the light, we're all stationed at different places on the earth in different systems and in different structures to bring the light. We don't need everybody necessarily to leave the system or to leave their family or to leave their community in order to hold the light. Oftentimes we have to learn how to hold it from the place where we are. And then we'll get a different message or, you know, different instructions, different downloads, and then we'll pivot and we'll do something else. But I think that's one of the things that I find to be most interesting is learning to hold the light wherever we are and not running away from the darkness because it feels so overwhelming, but learning to hold the light and stay. You know, since, since January, Julie, I, I've had several clients that say this to me. I hate my job because I, I work in a hospital, I work around pharmaceuticals, I work around things that I don't believe in anymore, and I really mm -hmm. want to be a counselor, I want to be a healer, but I, yes. can't, I can't afford to leave my job because <sighs> I have to make money. And mm -hmm. so that seems to be the, the place where they stop and go, okay, 
what is it that I'm supposed to do now? And and usually when I, when this comes up, it it is it, it is a place where they can't seem to get past what it, whatever it is that I'm going to say. I'll say mm. things so many different ways, and yet they still can't leave their third dimensional job to step out into the unknown. So mm. do you, I know some of these people are listening right now that I talk to about this. Mm-hmm. So would you give some insight to that? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm so glad you're saying this, Lavendar. It's an incredibly interesting theme to witness emerging right now, I think, at this time. I think so many of, um, I'm going to call it our family, the family of light. Um, I think so many of us are, are are, are being tapped, are being activated. We're being called to show up in a different way. We're all super sensitive. So I'm just going to get really practical. The first thing is that as empaths and clairsentience, clairvoyance, psychic beings, we are sponges. And if we don't know how to energetically and psychically protect ourselves from intense environments, right? Pharmaceuticals, you know, finance, medical sales, hospitals, like the list goes on. If we can't really truly learn to protect ourselves psychically and emotionally, we will be drained by what is around us. So that is one practical piece. There are tools that people can learn to strengthen their electromagnetic field, to strengthen the aura, to move energy through your body so that the heaviness doesn't clob on to the light being that you are. That's the first piece. That's really practical. So seek out those types of tools. The second piece is... Most beings like us um, have certain patterns that can tend toward burnout. Those patterns are overachieving, over caretaking, over giving, being empathic and taking things personally, over functioning, being the strong one, the helper, the healer, right? These are patterns that all of us hold in ourselves. And there are gifts when we use them in balance, right? But they can also be our own poison if our boundaries are leaky and we're giving to others at the expense of ourselves. I joke that when I quit my Wall Street job to really walk this path of being a coach and a teacher and a healer, that in the first year, I simply became a Wall Street version of a life coach. I just transferred my patterns from Wall Street to coaching because I hadn't really looked at the part in me, like I said, that got me into the mess in the first place. And so practically speaking, we really have to look at our own patterns of over caretaking and over functioning and doing it all alone and taking it all on because it doesn't matter if you work in a hospital or if you work for the pharmaceutical companies or if you work on Wall Street, we will transfer those patterns to anywhere we go unless we heal those patterns. And I'm happy to talk more specifically about how to do that or or whatnot, but I think I'll just stop there and kind of check in with you. Um, I love what you're saying. Go on. This is good. Keep going. I love it. Keep going. Yeah. 
So, um, give us some, you know, give, yeah. give some things to work on with that. Yeah, absolutely. So let me just tune in for a second. Hmm. Okay. One of the first things that I did, and this is a very practical tool that I'll share, and this is in the book as well, is when I was so down and out on my job and on my life, I had no idea who I was, what I was good at, any of it. And I think that happens to a lot of people. Like you were saying, they get stuck in the third dimensional need for their job because there's such a fear that hooks us in that if I walk away from this stability, right, um, I won't be supported. So I want to talk about first kind of the awareness that something is not right. And then I'm going to talk about the first three sacred steps, awareness, and then acceptance, and then acknowledgement. Awareness, practical tool number one. I suggest that everyone keep some type of little diary or little journal. And on one side, I want you to write down resonates. Everything that resonates with you in any given day that makes you feel buzzing and alive and inspired, write it down. Anything that makes you feel useful um, and happy and expansive, right? That goes on, on your resonant list, what you're resonant with. And then on the other side of the journal, I want you to write dissonant. And throughout your day, start tracking when you feel like you fall out of the higher vibration, when you feel like something it makes you contract or wants to go within, then write it down. Become a detective for yourself so you can start seeing the pattern. Oh, well, when I do this, I feel this way. Okay, when this happens, I feel that way. One of the things I noticed when I did this in my three-dimensional corporate job is I realized that I love every single time I got on the phone with a client to do a transaction in my Wall Street job, I would light up. I loved serving people. I loved doing research and writing emails. I loved getting on the phone with people and developing relationships. But I hated anything that had to do with the stock and the bond market. Anything. It was huge information for me. That what I loved about this job was people, right? And not the actual, what we were doing. Which led to doorways opening. So I would suggest everybody do that step for at least a week. Gather information about what you love and what you don't love so you can have information. The second step of this acceptance is you have to be willing to accept where you are in order to change it. That simple. And one of the parts of this step is really, it, it be, it, really learning to plant the seeds of your dreams. Okay, fine. So you want to quit your job and be a healer or you want to quit your job and be a, a, a counselor or a therapist. That may indeed be a divine dream that's been planted in you. So acknowledge what you feel like you want. And then acknowledging the third step is writing out all of your fears. The fears don't go away. It's scary to let go of the three-dimensional world and the life that everybody says you should live. It's scary. Like we can just, the human part of us gets scared. And so you can't run from that. We can't bypass that. So I highly suggest everybody always write out what they're scared of. I take a piece of paper and I write, I'm scared because and I set a timer for 10 minutes and I write out all of my fears. And then I put my hand on my heart and I say, okay, and what does my heart know to be true about this? 
What does my heart know to be true? And so it's a constant dance. I think practicing listening to the heart rather than the head until the heart leads the way most of the time. But we've been indoctrinated into systems that really suppress the heart and elevate the head. And so the practice, the general practice, is learning, yes, have your sessions with Lavendar and Ariel, right? You know, do your things that elevate you. And in baby steps, baby steps, baby steps all the way. Where does chocolate fall on that list? <laughs> Probably during step one, two, three, four, five, and six, before and after and during. <laughs> yeah, okay, good. <laughs> I know that you have a community, an online community called the Gratitude Circle. Tell us about it. You have, what, 41,000 members? That's, that's Yes. Huge. It's a big, big, amazing group. Um, yes, I mean, gratitude is is the access point um, to so much. And, um, you know, I think for me, when I, when I was really feeling lost and, and kind of stuck and unsure of, of who I was and what I was doing and where I was supposed to go, I, I, I found myself in such despair. And I think we all do at times when we feel like we're not being used appropriately right when we're not really we're not being who we came here to be and so gratitude had to be um a practice it wasn't something that came natural to me and so learning to focus on what's working and what's rather than what's not working is a choice a daily choice to focus on the light to focus on the light and so yeah i mean it's clearly such an incredible community we have members that basically come and everybody posts in the group what they're grateful for. Usually everybody comes once a day. Sometimes people will choose to do a 10-day challenge or a 40-day challenge or a year-long challenge, and they'll come to the group every day and post something they're grateful for. And the shifts of consciousness that happen within that group is so powerful um, because it's choosing the light. And every moment it's choosing the light. I love that. I love that. that I think <laughs> gratitude and grace are two are two words that we we probably didn't understand many years ago, but now we become fully aware of how powerful those words are, especially in our starseed work. Is gratitude mm-hmm. and grace? Mm-hmm. Do you have something to say about grace? Oh. I mean, what comes to my mind and or my heart, my vision right now, because grace is a feeling to me. Um, grace. Grace is so hard to put to words, but what I see when I see grace is I see so much soft light. I see everything flowing. Grace is simply that state that we find ourselves in where we are so held and where absolutely nothing, nothing matters but the feeling of complete and utter surrender and love and truth. Don't you think that grace without polarity is where it's at? Without polarity. Yeah. Grace is without polarity, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know what's coming to mind as you say that, Lavendar, is um, I have a lot of conversations in the group about gratitude and grief. And I think where gratitude meets grief is grace. Yeah. And, um, and that's what you're talking about without the polarity of just, just the understanding that, you know, every single moment of this life is, is truly unfolding 
beyond comprehension in the most orchestrated way, um, even when it appears to be the contrary. And right. that and that is grace. Right. Mm-hmm. And to me, at the heart of every challenge lives grace. Yes. At the heart of it lives grace. So I, I want to encourage our listeners to pick up your book called Awakened. And at this time, I would like to pass you over to my co-host, Arielle, who has the switchboard, and maybe some people might want to call in and talk with you. Will you have time to do that today? Yeah, I would love that. Okay, good. So back to you, Arielle. And Julie, we'll talk later. Love having you on the show, girl. Thank you love so you. much. Okay. Well, um, at this time, I'll just take a minute here. If um, if you're already listening to the show um, on the switchboard and you've already called in, then if you have a question for Julie, just press 1 so we know you want to come on the air. If you're listening on the computer, then um, pick up the phone and dial 917-889-8292. And then once you're in, press 1. And while we are waiting to see... Um, we could just continue this this conversation, um, mm. especially gratitude and grace. Um, mm. They are such big parts of holding the light. Because, I mean, you hear that phrase all the time, hold the light, hold the light. Well, it a lot of people just like think, well, what is that? How do you do that? What does that mean? And and it's really is so simple. Um, in, I mean, in in my understanding, and people are just trying to make it really, really complicated on how you hold the light. But living in a state of grace, where there is no there's no anger, there's no judgment, as Lavendar said, there's no polarity. And if someone is is really messing up in front of you, you don't you don't slap them, you don't put them down, you don't criticize them. You know, you have the power to give encouragement, to give them love and understanding, um, and that's that's grace in action. Mm. Um, you know, and, and gratitude, um, I I say that every, every week um, as I'm signing off with the show, uh, to count your blessings. And it sounds like such a, a trite thing to say, but what I'm really trying to say in, in as few words as possible is that don't let a day go by when you don't take stock of all you've got to be grateful for, all the blessings that we have. Um, I mean, especially in America, uh, yeah. you know, there are there are people in the world that 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 don't have an indoor bathroom, yeah, and the things like that that we just take for granted. Um, and it, it might sound like really kind of kind of silly to to give thanks because you've got a bathroom, because you've got a refrigerator, because you've got a car. Um, just It's just such a such common thing in America. But think mm-hmm. about the people in the world who would look mm-hmm. at you or look at us um, as being so lucky. Yeah. You know, so if other people can see us like that, we need to see that ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know? <sighs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, when did your book come out? It came out on May the first. May the first. Oh, so it's it's real. It's really new. It's new. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, that's excellent. Excellent. Yeah, it is. Yeah, thank you. And I just love what you were saying, Ariel, about, um, you know, it's so, it's just the, <clears throat> the piece that you mentioned of, oh, I don't mean for this to sound trite. It's interesting because I think there's two ways to really hear what we're saying. That you can hear it with the mind of count your blessings, right? And, and it's, it can sound empty if you don't drop in a layer deeper and really feel what that means. It's just so easy to get used to our reality as we see it with not with disregard to, you know, the way 95% of this world lives, right? And listening to the new show at the top of the hour, right? Of really understanding truly how blessed we are. And I think it's very easy for us. Um, it's just so easy to forget it's so easy to forget, and I think it's a constant practice of remembering. I don't think we awaken just one time. I think we have awakenings on a daily basis if we choose that. Um, and I think that's part of what gratitude gives us, is to simply live in a state of awe and to invite in grace. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you can... Um, if you can manage it just 55% mm-hmm. of the day, you don't have to do it 100% because, I mean, everybody can can have a have something happen during the day when you kind of get a little salty and it's like, rrr, 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 rrr. <laughs> but you, you've always got a chance, you know, immediately to just pivot that energy and get back on your frequency. And if you can hold that 55% of the time, that's enough mm-hmm. To, to turn the tide and and bring you more things to be grateful for. Because, yeah. you know, as we've said many times, the universe is always sending you a match for your vibration. And if your vibration is on lack or fear or not good enough or all the those, you know, kind of down spiral things, then the universe says, oh, okay, here's some more situations so you can keep feeling like that. Mm-hmm. And it's just as easy to choose to think about things that make you feel good. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I was just I was just driving in the car the other day and and I was thinking I'd, I had watched a show the night before about the pioneers, you know, crossing the country in in covered wagons and and mm-hmm. the hardships. And here, you know, it's like, oh, I think it's getting a little stuffy. I push a button and the air conditioning comes on, you know, in the car. And and I and I, I think about those pioneers and it's like, oh my gosh. Oh, I've got it made. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. uh, we do. So, yeah. We do. Yeah, and and I mean, people that you know have to get on the horse and the wagon and and mm-hmm. and go for two hours just to go get supplies. Um, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, we are so spoiled mm-hmm. in this country that it takes us out of our gratitude. Yeah, it absolutely it does. It does, and you know, you just said something something about it being a choice, and I say this in the group all the time that gratitude is not a feeling. It's a decision. It's a decision Absolutely. that we make every single day, and especially when we don't feel grateful, especially when we're judging someone else or when we're judging ourselves or when we're you know, in the negative spiral. The gratitude is just like the elevator up and out of it, and it's a decision. It's not a feeling. It's a choice. Mm, I love that. It is. Thank and you for saying yeah. that. <laughs> and, and there's plenty of things. Like I said, just just the fact that you can – you can, you know, 
push a button and not be too hot or not be too cold. That's that's so. I mean, just little things like that get taken for granted, you know. And I'm, we've got indoor plumbing. <laughs> Think of all the generations that didn't have that. But um, it's just it's really it's really easy when you just make that decision to look mm-hmm. for things that that you can be grateful for, even if they seem like you know, well, well, sure, I've got this, but it's not enough. Well. Yeah. If you're not grateful for what you have, you're not going to be able to manifest mm-hmm. to manifest anything mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a, yeah. a thing that you said that um, about the, the the spiral, you know, there's up and down. That's, that's mm-hmm. those are the only two energies, as Lavender mm-hmm. has taught all of these years. And and star seeds are driven to no matter what you can do, that that spiral you got to take the next step up, and it never mm-hmm. ends. So no matter mm. where you are, you're going to try to just go one step higher. And <laughs> and as you said, it, I liked what you said when you said it's just baby steps. You know, yeah. you can't you can't walk into the to the to lion's cage and just take on the beast. You know, but if you just take little teeny tiny steps, you know, um, yeah. it's it's a lot easier to to break through yeah. um, the scary situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, do you do you talk to people um you know like on the internet um on with 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 Skype or Zoom or something do you I have do. clients from yeah. all over all over the place yeah and it's and it's a beautiful gift of you know the reality that we live in now that I don't have to be in person with them so yeah I live in a small town in uh, northern california in, a, in the valley of the moon and um, I have the gift of, yeah, being on the phone with people or being on, on Zoom with people and um, being able to do those sessions from anywhere in groups or I, I lead some retreats as well up here. And, um, yeah, it's a gift. I love being in person with people, too. Um, but sometimes we can't do that. So we have the, the virtual options as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's excellent. Um, and what kind of, what kind of um, uh, do you do, like, workshops or retreats or um, conferences, what do you call them? Yeah, yeah. so the next, I, the next retreat I'm having is in October, and it's called Awakening the Soul. So we really dive into, um, you know, the experience of, of, of being human and then what it means to access the soul. Um, and it's only for women. It's, it's, it's a beautiful ranch in Sonoma, uh, California, and a small intimate group of women and who are really kind of in this, these experiential exercises and, um, and um, I don't, the processes isn't the right word, but just experiential exercises and experiences and circle and ritual to really access this, the, the part of us that is, is not human to access the soul, to access the spirit, to really hear that kind of still quiet voice within. And that's what I guide the women to. So they're all usually at a crossroads, really not sure what the next step is or how to get there. And like I said, in the book, we have all the answers within us. Sometimes we just need somebody to ask us the right questions um, and to help us work through the fear to get to the truth that we already know. Well, that's excellent, and yeah, I mean, the, the fear. Uh, I, I read a long, long time ago, and I didn't understand it when I read it, but I never forgot it. 
Um, it was just a one-liner in a book that said, you run to what you fear. Oh. And I thought, well, that, what does that mean? And I didn't understand it. But, you know, and I was just thinking about that the other day. Um, what it really means to it is that whatever you fear, you, you are on a beeline right to it. Because if you keep yeah. thinking it, you're just bringing it right in. And that means that you have to experience it in order to conquer it. Mm. I think it'd be a lot easier to just go ahead and release it and not have to go through, you know, the drill of actually Absolutely. living it. Or you can Absolutely. you can look through someone else's experience. And is that also mm. something that, that you find helpful? Um, yeah, when, absolutely. When people can see um, what, you know, this other person, what they did and how <laughs> they learned and what they mm-hmm. learned, and if you can really get it through them, then you don't have to go through what they did. Exactly. And I mean, that's what we say in these, in these, on these retreats and in these women's circles, it's what's done for one is done for all. And so a woman across from me, maybe going through an experience or healing something. And and I didn't even know that it was in me too until she worked through it. And then now I don't have to work through it. So it's the power of working in group because we're all doing it for the collective. We're all doing it for each other and ourselves. And we can just fly. Sometimes I have the biggest breakthroughs when I'm listening to someone else breakthrough. And I think that's the gift of being on retreat. And I know that you both, you and our, you and Lavendar do your retreats, and I can't wait to join you on them one day. Um, but it's probably the same thing, right, of being, like, feeling not alone, feeling like you found your tribe and having people uh-huh. who really understand you. Oh, yeah, that's a huge part of our of our starseed quests um mm-hmm. you know and and releasing things um bonding with with like-minded people um mm-hmm. combining your your energy resources um it's it's just got all kinds of um uh, ramifications and and um ripples that go out mm-hmm. i mean even even for people that were there a couple of years ago it's still mm. evolving. So yeah, yeah it, it's a wonderful thing to see when people of of like mind, you know, when <laughs> light beings get together and they don't yeah. have to they don't have to wear the mask. Uh huh. Yeah, mm. exactly. Yeah. Mm, yeah. So um do you work with, with young people? You know, I never have. Well, actually, that's not true. I have in my life, but just not in this way. I mean, I I spent about a year and a half in Argentina working with, with, with children and their mothers um, about a decade ago, um, 12 years ago. Um, and I haven't yet merged the two. I may at some point. Um, but I think that what I have really been called to for myself is to help the mothers heal the patterns within themselves, whether it's before they bring children into the world or whether it's as they're mothering so that they can really change, you know, kind of the, the pattern. So, mm-hmm. yeah, for me, it tends to be women, I would say, you know, early 30s to, you know, early 50s. It's kind of that 25-year range. Um, mm-hmm. But, no, I haven't worked with kids yet. I haven't. And I'd be very curious to at some point. It just hasn't. I haven't gotten the tap to do that yet. 
Yeah. Well, if you help the mothers, then they can help the the children. Um, yeah. Especially their own children. But um, you said something that that I thought was really profound um, earlier when you were talking to Lavendar, is that people um, they that you can walk away from a situation that's that's um, causing you a lot of stress and anxiety, but if you don't mm-hmm. change the patterns that got you there, you go to mm-hmm. something new, you have the same patterns, you're going to yeah. experience the same thing, um, just maybe with different different colors, different location, different yeah. you know people. But it's you, you know, and I thought, yeah, if you do what you've always done, you'll get the results you've already got, no matter what, exactly. no matter where you, no matter where you are, what you're doing. Yeah. So. How do how do we recognize those you know those nasty little patterns that we think are you know we are the structures that we've built? How do we recognize yeah. that we're actually prisoners in our own uh, patterns? Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great question. So I mean, I think the first thing is let's we first we just have to be honest with ourselves, and then we have to take a look at the patterns. So let's just talk about being honest with ourselves first. It really doesn't matter how spiritually evolved or conscious or aware we are we all have um patterns and conditioning in some way so it's just like acknowledging that whether we realize it or not we're operating under certain belief systems and some of course maybe simply from this lifetime and our family of origin some may be of course from this society and um the system some may be from other lifetimes and other realms that we're, that we may or may not be conscious of. Um, so I think the first piece is just admitting that we don't know what we don't know. And I, one of my favorite little sayings, and it's so silly, but I really like it because it gives me the visual of, I, I can't read the label from inside of the bottle. You can't read the label from inside of the bottle. And so I can't see what I can't see, I guess is, is really what that's saying. So I think the first piece is just admitting that in some way um, all of our patterns are impacting us. The beautiful ones, the ones we love, and then the shadow ones, the ones we don't love as much. And then how do we change them? I mean, I think there's, there's, a, couple of different, there's a couple of different tools for this. I mean, I think one is self-inquiry, and then one is working with others. So I think the self-inquiry piece is... Is, is something we can all do, which is what are, like, where do I feel stuck in my life? I mean, this is, I, this is the greatest place to start. Where do I feel stuck in my life? For some people that may be around career, it may be around relationships, it may be around money, um, it may be around having children or not having children. So I think the first piece is where do you feel stuck? Okay. And then simply writing out, well, what are my beliefs around this? Here's what I want. Here's where I feel stuck. Here's what I really want. Here's why I don't think it's possible. Often fears are a really great way for us to identify the patterns that we don't even think are patterns. Because our fears can be so convincing, we forget that they're actually just a belief system. And so our fears, exploring those, can be a great doorway to seeing what our beliefs are. And then to challenging them, right? Is it really true? And I go through some exercises in the book on this of of really beginning to kind of poke holes in the fear. Um, Another way to do it, self-inquiry, is just to simply look at the recurring themes in your life. 
Do you attract the same type of people, the same type of boss or relationship? Does your partner somehow remind you of a parent, right? I mean, there's so many ways to do this self-inquiry, right? But what are the patterns that keep recurring in your life? And then at some point, we can't move through them all by ourselves. And we need teachers, coaches, therapists, healers, psychics, um, astrologers. You know, the list goes on of people who can help shine a light on the parts we can't see. And there are really skilled technicians to help us rewire those patterns. And so at some point, again, it comes back to that humbling ourselves enough to admit that we don't, that we can't do it all. And we may need support in moving through these old patterns and knowing when it, when we've done as much as we can do and we've gone as far as we can go by ourselves and when it's time to actually ask for support. So I think that's what I would say about all of that. <laughs> that's very well put. That's very well put because, yeah, I'm, there's, I mean, the left brain, the logical left brain, you know, masculine side always has to, you know, explain, quantify, you know, make sense. This is why. And and that is whatever it tells you is probably not going to be right when you come from yeah. the heart because you do know deep, deep, deep down, uh, you know, you'll have a feeling, you'll have an inkling. And then, you know, the left brain steps in and, and nah, that's not true. Right. It's like, you know, right. so it gets back under the rock, but you have to keep those rocks, you know, open to the, to the daylight mm-hmm. so that you can, mm-hmm. you can use them as stepping stones and not get mm-hmm. all covered up. Mm, I love that. Those stepping stones. That's a beautiful image. Hmm. Well, uh, you, I, I'm sure that there's just a wealth of help and um, guidance that you are capable of um, working with people either live or um, through your book, Awaken Six Sacred Steps to Remember Who You Are and Why You're Here. Hmm. That I mean, that's probably the biggest starseed question that that <laughs> there is, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> You know, where did I come from and, and what's my mission? What am I doing? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I, I strongly um, encourage everyone to pick up a copy of Julie's book. Um, is the best way to get it through your website or on Amazon? Yeah, you can, you, can, you can on both, but the easiest way to go is juliesantiago.com forward slash book. Or you can just go to juliasantiago.com and you'll see a link to the book. Um, and it'll just take you to Amazon and it'll, you can buy it there and it'll ship anywhere in the world. Excellent. Excellent. And there's also information on your website uh, about working with you one-on-one. Absolutely. And the retreat. And there's lots of free resources there, some meditations and some tools and videos and, and a lot more. So, yeah, you can head over there and, um, and check it all out. Excellent. Yeah, I, I did notice you've got a lot of free help tools on your website, so please, everyone, take advantage of that. Um, it's there, and if you want a book with, with Julie, then just you can do that through the website as well. Mm-hmm. Thank you so, so much, it has, Ariel. It has been, it's been such a pleasure having you with us, and what you're doing is so valuable. You know, mm-hmm. the women 
are are going to be leading the way as we go <sighs> through this shift and 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 you know helping helping women to bloom and wake up and get on with um the reason they came here you know so many like you said you you know society says well you're supposed to do this you're supposed to do that and you've got to go to school and then you're supposed to get married and then you're supposed to have kids and family and and that's just what you have to do to be a good person and and mm-hmm. it's just like it gets ingrained and you know and then when you wake up it's like oh my gosh <laughs> this is not my life this is not what I was, you know uh, so what you're doing is so so much um needed at this time because the women will lead the way to the awakening and the and the light on the planet yeah yeah you know and 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 the and the feminine within men as well we don't want yeah. to exclude our our brothers because they're i mean more and more um men are coming to balance with their feminine side and and that's really the goal for everybody you have to have the strength of the masculine and the heart of the feminine and if you got those two in balance um then there's the you know the golden age upon us oh i think thank you for that blessing i just feel like that was such a blessing um and really highlighting that piece that it is the feminine it is the feminine and it's the feminine inside of you know people in a female body and the feminine inside of those in a, a male body. It's just simply the rising of the heart and our emotions and our tenderness and all that which is the sacred feminine. And that's what's happening. And I want to I wanna share this one piece, if, if I may, just a, a small, I was reading this last night and I actually thought of, of, of you and, and Lavendar and our, our call today. And this is from the book, Bringers of the Dawn. And... Um, It says there will be a merging of identities, a merging of cultures, an infusion of new world orders, and there will be much chaos and confusion. As members of the family of light, you can simply observe this. Know that chaos and confusion must come to break down the system so that it can be rebuilt with light. There is an evolutionary process taking place, and those who can handle the changing frequencies will evolve. Earth is indeed an exciting place at this time. Wow, that was that just really said it all. So I think I think that's a good place to sign off. Um, and thank you so much for for um bringing that out. So everyone, um you have been listening to Julie Santiago. Visit her website, pick up a copy of her new book, Awaken: 6 Sacred Steps to Remember Who You Are and Why You're Here. And it has just been such a pleasure having you with us and we look forward to having you come back on and uh, update us on how the things are going with uh with the book and your work. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share with you and your beautiful audience. It's been an honor. As for us as well. So uh, with that, everyone, I want to wish you a wonderful week coming up, and we will be back next week. And until then, 
find the gratitude every day and know that more is on the way. <laughs> okay. You take care, sweetie. We'll see you Thank next you so week. much. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com. 